May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning, all saints. It is so wonderful to be back here with you. It is, it is something special to have left home and to know that I am coming to another home. So thank you for being my home. Our gospel today has way too much going on. Just, I mean, just too much. And I, I don't know whether I've shared with you before, but my preparation for preaching is basically I just read the readings over and over and over and over again until something sticks out for me or something that has nothing to do with the gospel at all all of a sudden comes into my mind as I'm reading it and that becomes the basis of my sermon. And this time, as I kept reading our gospel, eventually what came to me was remembering a play that was done in South Africa during the height of, of apartheid. And the, the play was a two-man play called Waza Albert, which means come Albert or arise Albert. And this play was and people imagining, these two people imagining what would happen if Jesus had come back during that time of apartheid and had come to South Africa. And what would Jesus be doing and who would he be with and who would talk to him and who would follow him. And the line out of the play that kept coming into my mind was one that, that one of the actors says to Morena, uh, Jesus, says, Oh, Morena, you and your father, skelems, man. And that means you and your father, troublemakers, but like clever troublemakers. And as I read, I realized, yes, this is who Jesus is in this gospel. He is a troublemaker. And he is a troublemaker in wondrous, wondrous ways. So John kind of buries the lead here in the gospel as a kind of throwaway line in the middle of the gospel. He says, it was the Sabbath when he performed this miracle. John, you think you could have told us that at the beginning? so that we would at least understand part of the Pharisees' anger about the, the miracle that here is Jesus mixing mud, putting it on somebody's face, and telling him to go and wash his face. And here, this is the troublemaker part, because we know, we know from so many of the other miracle stories that Jesus has simply said, you are healed or your faith has healed you, or your sins have been forgiven. You know, just words, and the, the person has been cured. But this time, Jesus decides that he is going to do an action. He's going to do something practical that everybody could see. I mean, he could have just whispered to the guy, okay, you can see now. <laughs> and we know he'd have been able to see. 
But no, Jesus, this time, mixes sand and water, does the whole action of putting mud on his eyes and then telling him to go and wash. So there's no way that this was going to pass without people noticing. So clearly, Jesus was making a statement about miracles and God and even the Sabbath. That the Sabbath was God's gift to humanity. It wasn't meant to be a day of torture where you could not do anything. It was meant to be a time when we rested and recognized God's love for us. And what could be more loving than to give sight on the Sabbath to a blind person? So here is that troublemaker Jesus making it so that this could not simply be overlooked, overseen, that people might not pay attention to this miracle. They had to pay attention. And then the neighbors all come and like, is, uh, no, that, yeah, yes, that's, no, that's not him. Yeah, yes, it's him. What happened? And the young man says, Jesus, Jesus happened in my life. He put mud on my eyes, something that you would think would add to the darkness in my life. And yet that mud was the beginning of me being able to see the beautiful light to see this world in a way that I have never, but also to see the light that is the one who cured me. And before even all of this, just to make this gospel a little bit more crazy, the disciples have asked about him. And they haven't asked Lord, can you help this man? Lord, would it be possible to heal this man? But rather they have said, so God, who sinned? Jesus, who sinned against God? This man or his parents? And I know when we hear that, there is a part of us that says, you know, those old superstitions that these people held that somebody who is born infirm, that there is sin involved in it. And yet, we too, today, still have the remnants of that idea of sin being punished by God in some way and goodness being celebrated and, and gifted by God. We talk about, oh, I am so blessed when things are going well. 
We talk about, oh, God has been with me. When we succeed in things in our lives. And we even look at those suffering and wonder what it is that God is trying to teach them. Or when we are the ones suffering, look to see where did we go wrong? What did we do wrong? As though our God is a God who holds on to things that we have done and looks for an opportunity then to zap us with pain for our weakness. But that is not who our God is. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I came to bring God's light to you. Our God is not a God who looks for opportunities to punish. Our God is a God who looks for openings to heal. And so Jesus says to the disciples, this is not about his sin or his parents' sin. This is simply something that happens. And this particular time, God has given us the grace, the power that I will be able to heal this man and you will be able to witness this healing and God's people will be able to celebrate the power of God in an individual's life. But again, our crazy gospel, that's not exactly what happens. The people are not celebrating with him. The Pharisees are asking questions. How did you get healed? They are suspicious of God's bounty. They rather than celebrate with the young man instead interrogate him and in the end throw him out of the synagogue. And again, we will probably say we're not like those Pharisees. We know how to celebrate, how to give God thanks for blessings poured on others. And maybe we are usually, sometimes, occasionally, but we know that we sometimes look and say, mm, that should have been me. Or I remember a conversation I had with a friend who was saying how wonderful it was when the Oprah show was on, how wonderful it was that Oprah gave these people all these gifts that she would give people, the cars, the, get the whatever, the wonderful things, a car, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. And I said to her, yeah, but you know, it's not her own money. It's not like she's giving them from her own money. You know, she's giving them things that her sponsors are giving her. And my friend looked at me and was like, really? That's what you're going to take from this story? Did the people get the cars? Did the people get the gifts? Yes. 
You cannot celebrate with them that Oprah was the conduit for a blessing for them. And I was ashamed when she put it that way. But that, that, we, that we should recognize in us, particularly now in this time of Lent, the part of us that is Pharisee that is always looking to pull apart God's miracles, that is always looking at blessings bestowed on others as something taken from us, that is suspicious even of God's love for ourselves. That there is that Pharisee in us that does not believe that God's love is all-flowing, all-generous, all-giving, all-encompassing, that we, like the Pharisees, question, how can that be? How can it be that God loves me? And so, during this time of Lent, Christ puts mud on our eyes and says, wash that mud away so that you may see the glory that is my love for you, that you may bear witness in the world to God's light. Let us be those who proclaim to the world God's light is here. God's love surrounds us. Amen.